Blog Talk Radio. Another day, another chance. Everybody and welcome to Riding the Wave with Mark Healy. I am Mark Healy. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Wave newspaper, Rockaway's newspaper since 1893. And it's part of our series where we're interviewing uh, the candidates and the incumbents uh, for Election Day 2020. I'd like to welcome Assemblywoman Stacey Pfeffer Amato to our program. Uh, hi, Stacey. How are you? Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, once again, we're here. Uh, once again, um, you know, you're running uh, to stay in place uh, in the state assembly. And, you know, when I think about, uh, you know, you basically uh, came into office uh, during my tenure here uh, at, the, at, the, at the WAVE. So I, I saw firsthand from your first campaign how you go about your business. And, you know, I remember uh, all those years and, and talking to you, you know, when there's an issue that, uh, you know, that, that needs to be addressed, uh, your office has been uh, accessible and also um, certainly uh, consistent in your ability to uh, convey your message. So, uh, you know, that's not a question, I think, uh, about, you know, how you have gone about your business. Uh, you do answer the phone, you do answer emails. Uh, I, I know from the constituents that I speak to, your constituents, uh, that uh, that's never a thing that they complain about. I never hear, well, Stacy never got back to me. I very, and and if, if I do, it's a very rare occurrence. So my first question uh, is, is one that uh, people have brought to my attention because they feel that it needs to be addressed. And that is uh, the way that you voted on the bail reform bill. And you know, there's a lot of people in Rockaway that feel that uh, it's something that, uh, you know, whether or not they've asked you personally for a, an explanation, I think that during this campaign, it's going to come up. I know that it came up uh, on the Senate side, uh, you know, so it's only fair to ask you the same question. Uh, why did you vote the way you did on the bail reform bill? And uh, do you regret it? And is it something that you think needs to be addressed? Well, thank you very much for the opportunity to interview, and I appreciate compliments to my team that I put together and the hard work we do here. And yes, I, I would think there's rarely a person that could say I don't get back to them. When it comes to legislation, um, we get our message out, and we'll go to bail reform, you know, by attending meetings. Um, any forum that we go to, when I come back home during the time I'm in Albany, I always report on what's going on, and certainly the more controversial ones. 
So any of the meetings, if it came up, the constituents that attend meetings, um, we have put out information. What's really interesting, again, before we get into my vote and why I voted or my word to stay, folks that agreed with bail reform, um, folks that agreed with other parts of the criminal justice package, they emailed me, tons of emails, positive, you know, emails who wanted reform. From the other side of it, I could put them on two hands for people who didn't want bail reform. So it's a funny balance of are people getting information? Do they not know what's going on in the world? Do they not know what's going on in the state? Um, what's going on locally? The conversation was everywhere. Um, when it came time to vote for the package, and this is something that I've always tried to express um, with bail reform, if I wasn't participating in the process, bail reform, what it looked like the first time, would have actually been worse. So when the, when the bills were coming forward and we were fighting, no, put that in. We need more protection for women, sexual offenders. Back and forth, it went to the final bill was there. And that's a negotiation. And I, th I thought at the moment that I thought that was a good bill. So I vote yes on it because how do you negotiate and fight for your side and then at the end of the day you vote no? Now, when it came to practicality of it, we saw right away that there were some problems. And we immediately went back up and fought. And there's not, I should say there's not many, but it was a tough battle to push in the 25 other um, crimes that would require bail. So would I vote, was, um, am I okay with my vote? I am okay with my vote because the premise behind it, what it means to have, um, that economics shouldn't play. Um, if you're arrested, it shouldn't go off to economics. I believe in due process. I believe in a speedy trial, and all those parts of the criminal justice system have to be reformed, and every part has to work. Did the cart come before the horse? I guess in hindsight, we can look at that, but I don't think it was wrong, because I would have a problem coming up with bail. My son was arrested. He's not going to be arrested. But if you look at circumstances, Harvey Weinstein was let out on bail because he had money. First-time offenders, I believe in a second chance. So first-time offenders, do they rot in jail because the system doesn't work, lose their home, lose their job, and then they end the plea bargaining down? And I know it doesn't sound like I'm protecting the victims, but I have the victims in my mind um, in sexual crimes and a lot of the crimes. So it's not just a one-sided answer. And in this community, what's affecting us right now are violent crimes, gun crimes. But And I'm going to speak about Rockaway because, you know, I represent – many other communities. So I'm going to you know, focus on the Rockways with you because you're a Rockway paper. But once we were able to put 24 more crimes back in, um, give ju judges discretion, put ankle monitors on, I feel good about it. And the numbers are proving that bail reform is not because of the uptick. It's everything else with it. Um, the pandemic, people home, poverty. And we're going to have some of the hardest times. And that's sort of my focus when I get back up to Albany to get us back on an economic recovery. So. You know, one, one other aspect too, uh, and again, this is, you know, uh, Rockaway is such a diverse community. You have people who are very pro-law enforcement, and then you have people that believe that, uh, you know, very strongly that, uh, that, that the NYPD uh, and, and other law enforcement, uh, you know, uh, organizations need to be held more accountable. And so your vote on, you know, publicizing, uh, you know, uh, police, uh, you know, backgrounds and things like that, that was so fiercely protected for so long, 
you know, what about your vote on that issue about public, uh, you know, publicizing uh, cops and, and their past, uh, past, uh, you know, things that have happened during their. That court. was tough. That was tough. That's 58. And now I think, you know, the, the conversation going forward is we were just talking to my colleagues about um, the unsubstantiated reports. Um, the most of the world wants transparency now, and the police um, were the ones. Not to say the ones left that freedom of information, um, how the law was written. You know, they wanted a full repeal. I mean, I got. You know, I've been pretty much attacked because I wouldn't agree to the bill that was in front of me. I wanted a reform, so we fought again. If, if their voices, myself um, and others out there, more moderates, weren't fighting to have a reform to it, it would have been a straight repeal. And we fought to make sure that the names weren't released, the family's members, their addresses. We fought for that. What's not, was not part of it was unsubstantiated uh, reports. And looking at that, I, I don't want to be hindsight. I think going forward, um, I'm concerned that that's going to open a Pandora box because I think what's next will be teachers because teachers have reports against them. So it's very tricky and it's a heavy balance. But let me just say to you that I support law enforcement 100%. What I find interesting is, is what's the balance? Is it, is it the people in this community know that I've always stuck up? Again, we can go back to our past. That's where the 9-11 fights are from because a lot of my colleagues now were six years old <laughs> when it happened. So how do I stand up for them and their families? Um, I have a relationship with every captain in my precinct, cell phone, priorities, the police officers on the beach in these in these um, districts. I can't help if the police that live in my community maybe don't feel that way because they saw this, this crime. But every cop in this precinct know how I stand up for them. I go to bat for them for personal reasons. I help them. So I think every police officer, law enforcement, really to that state, in our community knows that I do defend them. But it's like just like me as an elected official. I voted if, if an elected official acts badly that they lose their pension. So we all have beard apples. We all did some bad experiences, but that shouldn't bring a broad stroke. I don't like any of the attacks on the police. I don't like any of that. I have a family member. So let's not forget that. But in changing and reforming how things are reported, there's definitely was some unbalance there. So how do you go forward? I mean, again, I got 900 letters on 58 to this office, calls. We were inundated more so than anybody else picked up telling me, very small, minimum, two dozen, maybe tops, of folks who were um, against 50A. So I think that the constituency should advocate. I said that when we first voted for criminal justice reform and said, call my office and tell me how you feel. So if people aren't answering to think to call myself or the senator's office, how, how do I base that on? I go to every meeting. You know that, Mark. I'm at community boards, small, big, um, different waterfront groups, and I speak, I open, I sit there for questions, and I stay to the end. So if no one's communicating to me how they feel, I'm not Karnak the magician. You know what I mean? And I'm not sure social, social media is the way to put everything out. I see what's going on with early voting. I mean, everyone just wants to go at each other. I put myself exposed to every civic uh, residence, everything. Every meeting I walk into, I'm there, I'm accessible, my staff, as you said it when you started. So how else do I get the message? But I don't think it was wrong to think that economics shouldn't play or someone should be in jail. There's so many cases. Now, does someone slip through the cracks? Absolutely. Are some bad dudes out there? 
repeat offenders. See, to me, second choices. Um, I participate in veterans that get arrested for DWIs, and they get a second chance. I think people get a second chance. Second, third, and fourth, absolutely not. And the other problem, which you can go right into, is I was reading today people talking about the mentally ill. Well, this, this mayor failed. Uh, homelessness, um, not that all homelessness is mentally ill. Mentally ill folks on the street are homeless crisis. We're in a hot mess here. This is, you know, the mayor has done a ton. We've written, we've tried to partner, and I get screwed all the time. There's no respect. I, first of all, I think a lot of times it's for this community. But, man, there's not even conversations at the table. We've asked, put us at the meeting. Put us in these bigger discussions. We're here to help. We have adult homes here. Let's partner together. So I look forward to the next administration, and I think that's what this town has to participate. So uh, thank you for clarifying uh, your, your position uh, on both of those controversial bills, because I think it's important. Uh, for that clarification so that people's talking points are a little bit more nuanced than, let's say, than they have been in the past. Um, and that's why I ask those questions because Thank you. it's important for people to know, you know, where you stand because I think that um, at the end of the day, people want to know that the person that represents them, uh, especially at the state level, uh, is fighting for them, is fighting for what they believe in. And I think that in Rockaway, uh, as I said, the, diverse, the, the diversity uh, of, of not just whether people are for certain things or against certain things, but that there are so many different opinions and so many different uh, people that are coming from different walks of life. You know, the multi-generational people that have been here forever, uh, the people that have just recently got here, uh, the people that work here, the people that just come here for fun. You know, everything that happens in Rockaway affects us all. And, you know, certainly at the state level, uh, there's been a lot of criticism of Governor Cuomo and how he's handled a lot of different things. He's gotten praise for a lot of different things and he's gotten criticism, especially from the small business community here in Rockaway, uh, like restaurants and, and other places like that, that, you know, really depend on, you know, they had no summer really uh, you know, and whether it's like the past with the closing of the beaches or whether it's now, you know, very limited indoor dining um, and, and the threat of closing it down entirely if somebody, you know, uh, has a bad day. Um, how do you, at that level where you are someone who's in, a, in the party, the, the, the majority party uh, with the Democrats and certainly have you know, supported Governor Cuomo, how do you, as a legislator, uh, you know, lend your support to those folks, because I know you support them, uh, how do you support uh, the, the, these, these businesses that are here fighting for their, literally fighting for their lives to stay open when you're dealing with a, a, a state that has been so strict in limiting uh, people's own accountability and putting it all on, on, on the government? You know, I think the pandemic is, you know, it's going to be everyone's research paper for the next 10 years. Um, on the state level, I find sometimes it's very frustrating to me, which frustrating to me, I should say, is finding Main Street on a state level, right? So when I look at bills or conversations, like say we're in Albany and they, there's a, you know, a small business forum 
I always feel some of the bill, the bills and some of the conversations are really large, right? What's a small business? You know, 100 people are a small business. Well, I know a couple of thriving right down the block here that are four people in a business. And I feel some of the legislation on the state level don't always help on Main Street. During COVID, I think there was a lot of restrictions, and I saw myself of, of, of you know, um, um, the state liquor authority coming in and, and, you know, it's the government's overlooking and over-governing and putting a chokehold on our businesses. And I think we um, all found that very frustrating because we were just trying to survive, right? So I think that, first of all, I think it's trying to help the state understand Main Street. If it's through business development, if it's through the Chamber of Commerce, which, you know, the Queens has such a vibrant one, and I think they've been a great liaison of bringing state programs down with me. Um, but one of the bills, one of the issues that were really right out there in the pandemic was um, disruption insurance that the small businesses all have, right? We went through this Hurricane Sandy. Um, my business got flooded. I go through insurance. They say, oh, sorry, it was a super storm and a surge. It was wind. Oh, but you don't have wind coverage. Well, most of the businesses right off the bat on the state level have state insurance, and they, they um, regulate it. And they couldn't get claims. They're saying, sorry, yeah, we don't cover pandemic. So tons of the small businesses paying for years. So now we have that bill. We're fighting for the governor to pay attention and say, why aren't you forcing the insurance companies to pay? And that would have helped every small business. Instead, we're jumping through hoops here. You know, um, how can they reopen phase three, pay four? Who can open? Who can't pay rent, commercial rent? But if the insurances had to pay out, most of the small business would say, great, I have this now, I could pay my landlord, and so on and so forth. But fighting for the small business on state level, I am very frustrated by that. Um, what we're trying to do is figure out how, what I've been doing is trying to help them be compliant and keep in the game right now because the governor is not listening, right? I actually worked with a lot of the dance schools because when they were opening, they were saying to them, you can't open. And then we went to the governor's own form, put their tax number in, and we were finding out a lot of the dance schools were able to open because they were actually, their tax code was art school, whatever it was, dance and art school. So I worked with the compliance, worked with, you know, anybody who told me an inspector came, I showed up, nope, nope, here's the book. We helped them formulate, like, their plan. So if any of these inspectors, I, like the mayor's office, task force that would come in like blazing guns, badges. Meanwhile, one guy was from buildings, one guy was from DEC. It's like crazy and help them stay compliant and open. I'm also frustrated with the fact that this SLA walked around looking, catching people without a mask down. They walked into my store and said, do you have a liquor license? So you don't even know if someone has a liquor license. So it's a, it's a crapshoot. And that's bullshit. And that's, you know what I mean? So we're going to see when those fines come up and how we fight them and stick up for that. Look what happened. We didn't happen as much in our neighborhood, but they gave fines to people during the red zone of the wrong businesses. So you can't sort of put this big, I'm the big sheriff in town unless you're perfect and no one's perfect. So hopefully we'll be able to fight a lot of those fines, but it's, I think it's difficult. What we're going to have to look at again is this mass race and I think some of the city regulations and some of the things that we could do on the state level to regulate some of the city businesses, because I find the definition of small business is so broad that like when the PPE money came out, again, we helped everybody. We were on the phone day and night trying to get through the small banks. It was so broad. That's why the bigger stores were able to do the money grab. 
And it shouldn't be that way. It should start from the smallest to the largest, right? We know, you know, you go to all the local stores on, on where you are now, 129. How many of them have four employees? Well, let's help them first right. because we know exactly. those are our local stores. I'm doing a lot of research on um, um, cities in 15 minutes. Um, you know, it's something in Paris they're doing. Like everything you need should be in a small sense. So everything you could do, you can get locally. Well, that's the people who need the help because they're employing the local people. So it's a very kind of broad question, but everyone knows they call me. I just work with the Chamber of Commerce all the time um, on the local level to try to bring these bigger programs. We were working with um, the women of, of Rockaway um, the women's group, business group, to bring some micro um, loans to the community. Um, that way now we're going to look at, you know, most of the businesses that are going to go out of business during this pandemic are minority and women-owned businesses. So we're talking about how do we get more access to money and grants for businesses. Because one thing I learned, uh, standing with John, actually, from your blog, from Sorrentino's, not Sorrentino's, from Sorrentino's, he, he's proud. He doesn't want anybody. He doesn't want government handout, and most small businesses don't. So we're trying to work with the ability to get some micro grants and things like that. And that's going to help keep the businesses open because they don't want a handout. It, you know, it could be very small interest like we went through after Sandy, but the money is going to be tough in the next couple of months. And going forward, probably we're going to have a $50 billion deficit in the state of New York over two years. Well, I, look, I mean, and, and, and let's not try to make the revenue back off of the, the you know, off of the, the backs of the local businesses uh, or, or, you know, through these fines and these suspensions and, you know, let's not make the state revenue back from, you know, uh, you know, you know, these, these, you know, situations where you're punishing the very people you're supposedly trying to help. And I made the point a couple of weeks ago about, you know, I get it that people want to be mavericks and they don't want to wear masks when they go out and they don't want to do this and they don't want to do that. And that goes against how I feel personally that the businesses should be open. They should be allowed to open. They should be allowed to operate. And then it's up to the, to the person, you know, the accountability of the person. Like, look, I, I'm going to wear my mask because that's the rule. If I go in and I wear my mask, I'm supporting the business by giving them my money to buy food or whatever. But I'm also not putting, I'm not jamming them up by making them, you know. That's what people are doing. They're actually walking into businesses and at the moment because we know they actually can get fined for that, closed down. People are calling 311 and saying, exactly. the person's not wearing a mask. And I wouldn't give anybody up, but I give out a ton of masks, a ton. Text every day to a local business, synagogue, church, who needs more masks because parishioners um, come in there without masks and they're giving them out. No question, but they're handing them out. Well, first of all, the PPE is getting really expensive to the small businesses, but why would you jeopardize that? If we're truly standing for our community, put your mask on. Don't make a business owner be awkward and think about losing a customer or having that confrontation. Put That's the stores. I, I would love 50% open um, for the, the restaurants to keep opening more. That's what we would push for, but I went to a couple local establishments where people text me and go, I just went here, and holy crap, there was no mask on. I'm not the police. I'm not going to be the police. Make your own decisions. Right. But, you know, it's hard. And let me tell you something else about small businesses, which people find out very quickly, um, that there is big conversation talking in Albany. Um, we're taxed twice, right? You're taxed as a family, and then you're taxed as a business. 
You make money from your business, it goes into your, you take an owner's payout, you get taxed again differently. You always have to look at that because no one's getting rich. You're rich in many different ways when you own your own business. And, and we have to support that to be an owner, be part of the community. You know, Amazon's not paying for uh, the Little League. Facebook didn't take a shirt for Rockaway Little League. Um, the basketball games in Broad Channel. So, you know, we need to help small businesses have a little bit more to be more of a community membership. That's how I feel, personally and then on a state level. Great. Uh, you know, there's there's always a thousand issues here in Rockaway that that people, one. you know, that people, you know, certainly want addressed. Uh, and being the fact that, you know, you've been in office, you certainly have been at, you know, uh, dealing with a lot of these issues, uh, certainly with resiliency, certainly with, you know, making sure that, um, you know, that the city uh, and the state, uh, you know, you're not someone who shies away and says, uh, you know, well, that's a city issue. That's not really something that I deal with. I don't think I've ever, you know, heard you say that. Uh, and I can't say the same for other state legislators. Uh, you know, that I've dealt with, not just here in Rockaway, but just in general. Uh, you know, oh, that's a city issue. I, I can't get involved. You, you're willing to take on this mayor. You're willing to take on a city council person, uh, you know, to, to deal with things that need to be addressed. Um, and that's not an endorsement. That's just the truth. I mean, that's what you do. I mean, that's been my experience, and that's how I deal with you. Um, you know, I, I, you know me. I, I you know... Sometimes my mouth gets me in trouble, but it's because I like to tell me too. <laughs> the truth. I mean, um, look, you can only look, you could, you could, I am who I am, right? So I have to, I, I still live with myself. I speak the truth. You can't make everyone happy. It's everything, yeah. like, I feel like I say to my family or your kids, but it's, it's difficult. It's great work. Helping people is great. Standing up for this community is an honor. Walking into every room and when no one used to mock me, everyone used to mock me, go, oh, here's the bridge lady, every day. If I could tie into something, I brought that cross-based bridge up every day in conference. That's what we do. That's what we have to fight. That's the kind of fight we have to take on and, and, and put ourselves in every conversation. I don't want to miss, I, I just saw this whole resiliency thing. You know, I don't want to be, not be included and miss that we could fight for more resiliency in this community because we see already what the city has done. I'm hoping for better partners to be able to be at the table. It's not I push myself into the table, and I have no qualms about that to fight for. And I say it again, the whole 23rd, I don't, that's my job, is to be the voice, uh, to put ourselves there, to bring the information out there um, as best as we could. There's not enough time and days for everyone, every page, and you do it as best as you could. I miss the meetings. I miss having the dialogue to know what's going on, to make sure there's issues we're not missing. Um, that's one thing about this community. They will tell you exactly how they feel. Messenger me, leave yeah. messages with my husband. I mean, it's awesome. Get right. my phone number somehow and call and talk about a complaint. And, you know, that's who we are here. We don't run away from it. I welcome it. I can certainly attest to people letting, letting uh, us know how they think. I certainly can attest to that. <laughs> Um, it's a good thing also, right? Isn't it? No, it is. Thing. Look, I mean, you know, you know, God rest her soul. My mom used to tell me how great I was at stuff and, and, you know, that's what she's supposed to do. But, you know, that's not always going to make us better at what we need. You know, critical feedback, constructive, constructive criticism is part of what, you know, makes us better and makes us stronger.
strive to excel. Um, and, you know, my next question deals with that. You know, um, your party, the Democratic Party, has been highly criticized uh, for its stance on a bunch of different things. And uh, we're, we're at a very divisive place in our history. I mean, the, the peninsula is split economically. It's split uh, culturally. It's split in its ethnicity. Uh, and, that, and then when you're, when you're representing a, such a diverse uh, neighbor, you know, uh, you know uh, such a diverse constituency, certainly uh, you're going to make enemies uh, and make friends just based on the party that you serve. And as you continue, uh, you know, if you, if you indeed win this race and, and stay in office, uh, how are you going to be, how are you going to be able to bridge that gap? I recently had a conversation with one of your more progressive members uh, in the, in the, uh, in the Democratic Party who's running for something locally. And uh, I don't want to mention her name, but, uh, you know, we had a little bit of a, a Twitter conversation about, you know, um, you know, just how divisive some of the progressives that are running for office, even against their people in their own party, about, you know, I'm someone that believes that part of your job is to find common ground and to build bridges, not to burn them. So how can you, if I'm, if I'm undecided, right, and I, I have to vote for Stacey Pfeffer Amato or for your counterpart, your GOP counterpart, uh, how can I safely vote for you knowing that you're not just going to go to the party line? if that party line continues to move to the left? Good question. So it's funny, I took some notes when you said it, and when you said, you know, here's the greatest compliment to me. Just today, dropped Sam off, bring my son's car to the mechanic, and a guy opened his window and said, Stacy, you're the only Democrat I vote for. <laughs> and I said, thank you very much. That means the world to me. So first of all, I think my track record, and, and op I don't ask party when you call. I don't ask where you live where you call. I think I deal with people truthful. We can't always agree, but I've built a lot of relationships and trust. So even when I gave the example about the bail reform, if I'm negotiating with people and negotiating, the trust we built is at the end of the day, I supported the compromise we got to, and I voted yes. You can't turn around and build a relationship and say, oh, well, you didn't go 100%? Screw you. And I vote no. So I've built relationships. My bills in the assembly have, I think I've had the most bipartisan support. I, my my 9-11 bill was the whole assembly. I think I got 149 votes. I think someone was absent. I mean, that's trust. They're willing to put their neck out for me. And I am also, as we work together towards legislation. Now, in the community, it's a delicate balance. But this, you're saying extreme, if I'm going to go too far left, what about if people are worried if I go too far right? I get too conservative. I get too, uh, you know, it's, that's being a moderate, right? There's a balance between what we could do. Because when you talk about my party, if it's the socialist or progressive, I can't get there all the time. And then it's the other side. Am I too conservative? You know, people were mad at me because there were 10 reform bills for housing um, renters really, renters, I forgot the package, the housing, um, 
uh, for the landlord, for tenants' um, rights and all that. I couldn't support all 10. I supported eight. Well, I got my ass ripped more from the Democrats than I did on the other side because I didn't go for all 10. Well, I can't give you that. That's not fair when you have to balance everybody. But I'm willing to take on that fight. I'm tough enough. I'm willing to say I can't give it to you and get my, you know, it's not always easy. But everyone has to understand that. So if you want 100% Stacey, I, I, I don't think anybody works that way, nor should anybody. But you have to bring the balance to every issue. And in Rockaway, it's 2,000 of them, and I'm willing to do that. But to say to be my maybe more progressive, you know, it's very difficult in some of those conversations because I am a business economics major. Part of our job is to balance the budget. We're not the federal government. We can't just print money. We have to balance the state budget. We give like 40-something, no more, 50-something uh, percent to, to Medicaid, and it's already built into state employees' salaries. And then you're left with this little pocket, and you got to divvy it out. Well, some concepts of this brush stroke, and it's a philosophy, and there's 11,000 bills out there. But then we needle it down back and forth committees, and you get to some good legislation and budget responsibility. Because I can't give the store away. That would be irresponsible. I don't give my house away. I have to pay, you know, you got to pay the bills. So everything in the assembly comes back to budgeting also because we just don't have an open checkbook. And it, that's something, it's not as easy. It's not you go to Albany. It's hours and hours reading legislation, bringing them home, back and forth to kind of get there. And I know it sounds like there's three men in a room. Well, not now it's not. It's one, two men and a woman in a room. But we do have a lot of conversation. We do negotiate. We do fight for what's to put back in the budget um, every year. We fight for every dollar more for education for all schools, non-public uh, schools, non-public schools, charter schools. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's so many um, buckets to fill, and that's the balance. But everyone on both sides, and I think that's what's been going on, this polarized, it's not acceptable in the world. You have to put it back and say, um, I like to stay in my own house. Everything's my way. I tell that to my children. You know that, Mark. What's the pushback? Well, how about I'll stay out to 10, and Mommy could pick me up right to negotiation. And then if you finally get to that negotiation, you go, all right, Connor. Right? You go, all right, Sam. All right, Mary. Because you got there. But you can't turn around. And I have to say I'm very proud. Um, I work hard on those relationships if it's with the unions, if it's specific to a person, if it's an organization, and try to have those grassroots discussions to understand the process. I understand people like to go in and say, I dare say, free rent, free this. Nothing is free in life. It costs somebody. So it might be a great philosophy, but then explain to everybody that your taxes are going to go up for that. Right. Right? And, and when I was younger, I was all like, do it, tax me more. And I understand what happens now. So you have to balance. And you can't. And we're going to be in a deficit. So the party's over, folks. We can't just give the store away. All these programs that were out there, after-school programs, um, uh, social programs that were sponsored not-for-profit. The city's got issues. And they got, certainly can't even figure out the main ones that are affecting so many of us. So how do we look at that? Our schools, you know. It's going to be, it's a big job, and we're going to have to balance and make some hard decisions this year, and I'm not going to be popular, but you have to know that I do my best, I work hard, and at the end of the day, I say this not lightly, 
If the voters speak, the voters speak, and I respect the process. That's why I've been out every day for early voting because it's so great to see. The people want that opportunity in a flexible world to vote, and the lines have been full. I engage voters all the time. I engage people in the process. And if people don't want to vote for me, then don't. But if I get more than the other guy, then I'm the winner. And I will continue to work hard for this community and not miss a beat and represent everyone in this community, as I always have. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to sit down with us today. I really appreciate it. Good luck on Election Day, and we'll see you thank down Thank you, Mark. I appreciate everything that you do. I appreciate the wave and, and everything that you're out there and your honesty always. And I look forward to continuing this relationship. Great. Have a good one. Take Be care. Well. Be safe and best of your family. Thanks. You too. Give your dad a hug for me. I will. I will. <laughs> Bye.